Welcome to The State of Recruiting, a weekly podcast featuring the insights of Longhorn recruiting analyst Mike Roach and hosted by Bobby Burton. Roach offers unparalleled insight into recruiting on the 40 acres. Each week, he crisscrosses the state watching and talking to blue chip recruits. And I'm Bobby Burton, a 1992 Texas grad and one of the recruiting industry's founding fathers. I played a formative role in the creation of both 24-7 Sports and Rivals.com. The State of Recruiting is taped each and every Wednesday during football recruiting and recruiting season. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hook them. Mike, welcome in. It's OU Week. How you doing, bud? Yeah, always a big week, um, especially, you know, here in Dallas. So there's always a, a little buzz around the city, and so uh, I enjoy being in the city for that. Gotcha. So Texas is the home team, so they get to host recruits this week, right? Yeah. It's a big visit weekend, always for whoever can host, although, you know, we should clarify that it's not like a visit weekend on campus. They can basically give tickets out to kids to come to the game, but they can't, they don't have really any contact with them and, um, you know, or anything like that. But, you know, I think through the past, we have seen, you know, fortunes change at this game based on, you know, the way both teams play. Yeah, I I think the the one that uh, I remember most vividly is uh, Adrian Peterson, uh, the running back out of Palestine, who uh, was kind of thinking it was Texas going into the Red River game. And uh, uh, Bob Stoops' uh, crew put a licking on the Longhorns, and Adrian Peterson from that point forward was all OU. And it was never really anybody else. Actually, Texas A&M probably came in second for uh, the future Hall of Fame running back. But uh, – Things ha- things like that happen and, and can hinge on a game like this. My question, though, is is there anybody out there that's like that this year? I mean, I obviously, there's going to be big-time recruits, but anybody that you see wavering based on, on that sort of situation? No, I, I don't see that. I mean, I, I, I guess you could probably make a case for, um, like, Josh Eaton, who – we reported, you know, is is kind of looking back and forth between both schools, um, maybe Princely Uma Milan, but um, those are the only guys who have really visited Oklahoma. Other than that, you know, Texas has uh, – it's kind of weird. They're not really they, – they've won a lot of victories over Oklahoma in this recruiting cycle, but I wouldn't say they've won victories where Oklahoma was the clear number two. You know, Oklahoma's been in the mix for a bunch of kids that they've landed, but um, – you know, it's not like there are a bunch of kids going back and forth between them. It's just a, an off year where they don't seem to be, uh, you know, that directly involved with one another. Gotcha. I, I think that makes sense. I mean, uh, I was looking back at at something today, and and do you realize? And this is this almost floored me. 2016, and, and which is the senior class, the the recruiting class of 2016 is the senior class for this game. Uh, as a as recruits, that's their year. Only one of the top fifty players from the state of Texas in twenty sixteen signed with OU, and that was Mark Jackson, the defensive end out of Cibolo Steel. Of course, Jalen Hurts signed with Alabama and ended up at OU. Um, but uh, it's it's kind of interesting how OU has morphed where and how they recruit over the years, and uh, and. That, you know, lack of I don't I don't want to say lack of interest in Texas players because this year alone they've got Jason McClellan, the running back out of Alito, Nate Anderson, the offensive lineman out of Frisco, Seth McGowan, 
right? I mean, they've got a ton of kids um, committed that I think Texas would would probably like to have. Uh, Jalen Conyers, the tight end out of Groover, is one that I really like. But my point being that it's strange to me that as we look across OU's roster of seniors, really there's there's only two that stick out as guys that uh, come from the state of Texas that uh, you really think about that way. And so um, it's interesting how, how the recruiting process for both teams has evolved. Uh, you mentioned that Texas hadn't really had a head-to-head, a big head-to-head with OU. OU win any head-to-heads with Texas, though? I mean, is Jace McClellan one, I guess? Yeah, I mean, Jace McClellan's one it happened so long ago, you know, that it's 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 one we, we barely remember. I mean, Jace committed in 2017 to Oklahoma, uh, July of 2017. So um, that was obviously a big one. And, you know, Texas has been has been were had been working on Jace throughout the year. Um, I think that that's kind of died down after landing Pichon Robinson. Uh, Seth McGowan, the running back out of Mesquite Motee, is a guy that Texas offered kind of late. Um, and then just he never grabbed uh, interest because they offered so late. Um, and then Bryson Washington, probably the biggest one um, when it comes to their head-to-heads, uh, the, the safety from C.E. King in Houston. Uh, basically decided between Texas and Oklahoma and, and ended up choosing Oklahoma. And Conyers was more between a, uh, OU and A&M, right? Right. Well, no, he, he had cut, um, he had cut A&M and Texas out pretty early in his process. I think his final group was like, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, Ohio state, Georgia, and somebody else. Okay. What about the, the kid at, uh, at ranch view up in Carrollton Henderson? Yeah, Mikey Henderson was a bit of a head-to-head. I mean, it, it's tough to say because I, I don't, I can't ever get a straight answer on where Texas actually saw him. Um, you know, some people will tell me that they really liked him, and some people tell me they weren't that interested in him. So, um, but I would call that yeah, a head-to-head win for sure. Okay, gotcha. Um, so the the recruiting opportunity, the Brockermeyers are, are expected to be on at the Cotton Bowl this weekend. Yep. So we're getting some uh, some confirmations rolling in. Um, so we're just getting our visitor list updated. For whatever reason, kids haven't really um, kids haven't really gotten back to us until just today. I've gotten a ton, but uh, the Brockermeyers are probably the biggest names coming in, uh, uncommitted names coming in. Of course, Tommy and James from Fort Worth All Saints. Um, they'll be at the Cotton Bowl. Uh, safety JD Coffee will also be there. Gotcha. Um, Mike, uh, as we kind of look at this game, uh, I'm, we stick to recruiting you and I (laughs) try to as much as possible, but you know, this is the game where it's worth giving our predictions, I think. So, (laughs) so I want to, and I'm not going to be on record anywhere other than, than print on this otherwise. So let's talk about the game a little bit. What are your, what are your thoughts right now? You know, I don't know what Oklahoma has because I don't think they've played anybody with a pulse yet. And I think they're obviously looking like a very good team. I think their offense is always going to be extremely dangerous under Lincoln Riley. I just think he's a really good offensive coach. I don't know how improved their defense is. Um, and I, I don't think they know how improved the defense is. And I don't think they will know until Saturday. So, um, you know, I think that... 
Both teams come in with a lot of questions defensively. Both teams come in feeling good about their offenses. I love the, if we're just talking like gambling lines here, I love the 75 and a half over. Um, and I think this will be another uh, kind of another shootout. And I really like, um, you know, I, I going into the week, I thought this may be the year where maybe Oklahoma regains the upper hand, but um Seeing te- uh, Oklahoma favored by 11 and a half, you know, that's generally a spot where Tom Herman and his team, uh, they do very well preparing their guys for games like that um, and playing them close and, and getting up for big games like that. So I think it's going to be another barn burner like it was last year. And I think regardless, both these teams will meet again in Arlington at the end of the season. All right. Give me your score. I am going to go with. Um, this is tough because usually I usually I sit down and, and him and haw about it before we write ours. Um, I am going to go with you know what I'm going to go with the roots of last year. I think Oklahoma is going to win this week. I think Texas gets them in Arlington. Um, I'm going to say Oklahoma uh, 48, Texas 45. Wow, that's a lot of points. Holy I don't God. think I don't know if either of these defenses can play, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm looking at, I'm, I'm thinking about it, and I've been thinking about it for the last few days, really. And, and I think that here, here's where I come out. I mean, I think OU's offense is just, I, I think you put it as, as well as you can. Lincoln Riley's going to find a way for them to be successful. Um. I think OU's offensive line is, is down from a year ago. It has to be. I mean, it's just humanly impossible to replace four NFL kids um, and, and improve. You know what I mean? At the same time, uh, Jalen Hurts is a good running quarterback and a okay passer at this point. I mean, I think that's, that's how everybody would look at it. He's a guy that's quarterbacked in two national, two different national championship games, and so I, I just see him with a lot of experience heading into this game more than Kyler Murray had a year ago. Um, at the outset, he's been in big games and been the guy in big games before, whereas Kyler Murray, frankly, hadn't um, prior to uh, last year. OU's run game with Trey Sermon and Ramondre Stevenson. I think Ramondre Stevenson is a guy that can break tackles. Um, even more so than, than Trey Sermon. Uh, I think Stevenson could be an X factor in this game. I believe that the Texas defensive line should be able to help stop the run better than they did a year ago. And on the flip side, you know, this is going to be one of those games where Sam Ellinger has to be able to run the football. Uh, Texas is not – they've been reluctant, I guess is the best word, to run Sam. Uh since early in the season, but this isn't the time for the cotton bowl is not the time for reluctance. So you got to leave it all out there. Um, and, uh, look, I, I look, I going to surprise people. I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring Mike. Cause I think, OU's is going to try to run the ball a little bit and, and not have as much success passing it. Um, and so I'm going to go 38, 35 and I'm going to pick the longhorns and I would not be surprised <laughs> If it's uh, Cameron Dicker with another a sec- for the second year in a row with a with a uh, field goal for the win, so thirty-eight, thirty-five Longhorns for me. I will say this: <clears throat> I'm kind of a 
I'm kind of a mush when it comes to predictions. Like I, I generally, you know, they don't ever really turn out. And so every year I kind of pick, I think Oklahoma wins. Texas usually ends up winning. So <laughs> it's usually good news if I'm picking Oklahoma in this game. It's good news for Texas fans. Uh, I'm not that way. <laughs> I, I pick them both every so often. But I, I think it's interesting that you think they're going to – it's going to be at 48-45. I think that's interesting to me because that essentially means that OU will score more than what LSU did. Um, and the Texas defense, I think, could not have looked worse um, than they did against LSU. And so if that's the case, I don't know that Texas can keep up scoring in that way. They're just not – for whatever reason, I don't think Texas is built that way this year. Um, not sure. We'll, we'll have to see because I do think – I also think that OU's defense has improved. The level to which they've improved is the question. Um because they, you know, they've had to make some wholesale changes. I, I think that a couple players to watch for OU in this game: uh, Kenneth Murray, the linebacker uh, out of uh, the Houston area; Neville Gallimore, a defensive tackle from Canada; and then uh, Ronnie Perkins, who I think is is probably their best defensive player, is a defensive end from St. Louis, who's only a sophomore, um, but uh, has some special ability as a pass rusher, and I'm sure he'll line up over Derek Kerstetter. Uh, yeah, and you you talked about those, those are some names that Texas those were you know head to head wins for Oklahoma over Texas and some pretty important ones. In fact, um, by the time you hear this, it'll be out. But in just about an hour, as we're recording this, I'll have an uh, an article up on Horns twenty four seven about ten recruitments that shaped uh, the Red River Showdown. Kind of looking at five on each side that um, were big wins for the other side and, and what could have been. And uh, you know, Kenneth Murray is is right up there. I love that kid in high school. I thought he was sensational. And uh, for whatever reason, Charlie Strong and his staff just didn't see it. They offered him later in the process. By that time, Oklahoma had already gained the grip on him. And, um, you know, I, th- I think the same can be said of Deshaun White, uh, their other linebacker, who Tom Herman and his staff waited to offer and, and could have had. And, uh, you know, Ronnie Perkins is, of course, a, a team that Texas and Oklahoma went directly head to head for. So um, that's the cool thing about this game is you can see a lot of. Uh, re- recruiting usually directly plays out on the field a couple years later. I think that their defense is probably going to be improved, Bobby. I just don't know because they haven't played anybody with a pulse. Yeah, I, I would agree with with that partially. The the one thing I will say, you talk about recruiting that shape recruiting that shaped this game. Jalen Hurts is one of those. Um, Jalen's from Channel View, which is a Houston. It's right on the Ship Channel in Houston, and uh, his dad's the high, was the high school coach there at the time, and I thought Jalen Hurts was one of the top two or three players in the state as a high school senior. I thought he was that good because I thought for a college player, he could be what he's become, which is a a dominant physical player. Um, Not necessarily the best quarterback, not necessarily the best, you know, fastest this or that, but just a a strong, strong high-level athlete. And I remember having a conversation with a Texas staffer who's now – left the program, so it's I'm fine to talk about this. Texas decided early on Shane, Shane Bouchelle. And at the time, Texas was still with Sean Watson as the offensive coordinator. And I'm just here to tell you, if Sean Watson wouldn't have been the offensive coordinator at that point in time, Jalen Hurts would have been more of a focal point for Texas. Um, 
Watson picked Bouchelle and stuck with it from, you know, thick and through thick and thin. Uh, ultimately, Watson was removed from his position, um, but the the die was cast by that time, and Hertz uh, had moved on from any interest in Texas whatsoever. And uh, talk about how four years comes around, he signs with Alabama, obviously, then transfers to to OU, and you know, we'll see how it goes. I guess on Saturday, Mike, switch gears. Where did you go last weekend? On Thursday night, I saw Kamar Wheaton and Lakeview Centennial play um, against uh, Abilene Wiley. Um, and that's know, I, he's I, the big running back. He's the top-ranked running back in 2021. Is that right? Right, right. The five-star running back. You know, I, I went into that game, and I mentioned on this podcast that I wasn't exactly sold on Kamar Wheaton. And I, I still don't feel <clears throat> completely sold on him. You know, he is a sensational tools uh, guy when it comes to his speed. His speed is electric. Um, and he can find a seam and, and really burst on a guy, no problem. The biggest things I worry about, and I'm very big on, on these things for running backs, is uh, instinctive ability and vision and balance, being able to run through contact. And, um and I don't see it with him. Um, they run him to the outside a lot. They rarely run him inside. Um, when he's contacted on the boundary, he, he tends to go down pretty easily. And that, that's what I worry about with him. I, I, I think almost for, for any position for me, in, in my opinion, I think that the physical tools matter less than, than the, the innate ability uh, of a runner. And I, I always go back to uh, – you know, kind of my favorite uh, comparison is in that 2017 class when Texas was looking at um, Tennille Carter from, from Langham Creek and Edo Benjamin from Wiley East. You know, Tennille Carter was the guy who had the size and the tools and all those things, but Edo Benjamin was a pure runner. Uh, great vision, great balance, great power. And um, I thought I was big on Texas maybe taking, you know, over Tennille that didn't end up happening. And um, now you kind of see Tennille tearing it, or I'm sorry, Edo tearing it up uh, for Arizona State at, on Pac-12 after dark if you turn the TV on past 10 o'clock. So um, I, I really – that's what I feel. I, I'd like to see more of Kamar Wheaton because I do think he has some special ability. Um, but I, I need to see uh, something different for me to consider him a five-star and elite can't-miss guy. Um, well, let me let me ask you this. So so I, I'm hearing all this, and I obviously I've been – covering recruiting for 30 years. So I, I get what you're saying. I mean, there's been guys like this always. Um, my question for you would be, what about his, his change of direction, his elusiveness? That's where, is it special? Is it not special? What? Yeah, I think he can change directions pretty smoothly and pretty quickly. Um, <clears throat> the elusiveness, I don't, it's hard to say because he's, he, he does play for a pretty bad team. So, um, you know, getting out of the backfield is, is almost a chore for him. But um, I would say he does – he has uh, about average elusive ability. I mean, he's he's kind of just a kid. So he's not just, he's not tr- Jamal Charles elusive type guy? No. Who has no, electric speed and – okay. No. All right. I look at Bijan Robinson and think – and that's the problem, Bobby, is that um, it's not that I don't think – that Kamar Wheaton is great. I think that he's ranked as a five star. And so when I go to watch him, I told somebody last week, I said, the problem is, is I've seen Bijan Robinson this year. So I've seen what a five star running back looks like. And, you know, I think we've got, 
Wheaton in the top 30 players in the country. I, I wouldn't put those two in the same class with one another. I do think he, he could be a good running back. Um, I just probably wouldn't have him rated that high, if that makes sense. So let, let me give you this, okay, because I'll just we mentioned his name earlier. I saw Adrian Peterson in high school, and electric speed, check. Size, tools, check. Run through tackles, check. <laughs> Elusive, check. Uh, that's what a five-star running back looks like. Um, and so I, I hear you. The great thing about running backs, as you mentioned, um, you know, a lot of them aren't going to run 4-4. Uh, Eno Benjamin certainly didn't. Uh, the best ones aren't always going to run that well. They just It's just the way of the world. I, I doubt right now Texas has any running back that runs a 4-4. Um, if it is, it's Kirk Johnson, who's barely getting any playing time, even though he did return from injury last year. I don't think Keontae Ingram or Roshan Johnson run all that well, although they when they put their foot in the ground and go forward, they're pretty – Pretty good runners. Um, so after Kamar Wheaton, who else did you see last week? Uh, Friday night, I uh, saw a big matchup in East Texas, Carthage and Pleasant Grove. So I was able to see on the Pleasant Grove side, uh, Landon Jackson, the 2021 defensive lineman, um, uh, Marcus Burris, the other 2021 big-time defensive lineman, uh, Kelvon Dixon for Carthage, and then a couple of, of kind of on-the-radar type kids and um, you know, that was a, a really good game. Those games are always special when you can build that atmosphere out in a place like Texarkana because uh, it's one of those – it's like Friday Night Lights. The whole town uh, turns out for it. They had guys – they had people waiting at the gates at 4 o'clock when I got to the school <laughs> to, to get in. I love that. People don't appreciate that when it's the thing going on for 50-mile square radius – it's a pretty fun, pretty fun atmosphere out there in, in smaller town Texas. Um, that just to go see it and feel it, I, I completely agree. What What's the situation with Jackson and Burris as far as recruiting? Uh, with Jackson, I think Texas should feel a lot more confident than they should with Burris. Um, you know, Jackson. There's a lot of I, I wrote this in the Stampede this week that Texas has a lot of things against working against them in the, in the Jackson recruitment. You know, his father uh, is an is an A and M legacy, a basketball player. Um, you know, he's surrounded by a lot of Aggie influence in in East Texas. I you know I was actually talking to a college assistant there at the game, and he told me if he could have any job, it would be at A and M because that that emblem is more powerful in East Texas than it is anywhere probably in the country. Um, and all those things are going against Texas and yet they don't really seem to matter. I think Landon Jackson really likes Texas and uh, they're right up there. I think I would say probably with uh, Alabama, A&M, Arkansas. Um, but I think Texas probably takes a backseat to nobody in that. And a lot of that's been because Todd Orlando has been involved and um, has talked to Landon about, you know, maybe playing at the B-backer position or staying in an edge rushing position, despite the fact that as a junior, he's 6'6", 240, and we know what, what's going to happen once he gets into a college strength program. Well, well the B-backer role is the Joe Osai position. Just correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that, – I can understand where he's looking – Jackson's looking at Joe Osai and say, I don't look that much different than that guy. Yeah, so, so, <clears throat> right now. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Who, what, what? Lord knows what it looked like in you know three or four years. Because if if he keeps growing, you just don't know. What about? I'm, I'm sorry to cut you short on that, but what about Burris? Yeah, with with Burris, I think it's more of a case of Texas has a lot of work to do, and I think that's because Burris is is kind of more of the small town kid. 
and is probably going to want a small town feel for college. Whereas Jackson can kind of thrive in any situation. I think that Burris, um, I think that A&M and Arkansas really appeal to Burris because he is, you know, kind of a, a classic Texarkana kid. Probably doesn't want to, uh, you know, be in the big city like Austin. Gotcha. In Arkansas, obviously, because Jeff Trailer is the assistant recruiting him, I'm guessing, for uh, yeah, the Razorbacks. Absolutely. And yeah, plus it's Texarkana. He was there as well. Yeah, oh, in Texarkana, Arkansas is huge. I yep. mean, it's I, – I think of the three schools we discussed last week, uh, A&M, Texas, and Arkansas. Arkansas by far had the most fans. And, uh, you know, Chad Morris helicoptered into that game, and it was like the president arrived. So um, there were people lining up to take pictures and stuff. So even for a guy that just lost to San Jose State. I, I, I was just going to say – it. Chad Morris's approval rating in Arkansas may be lower than Donald Trump's nationwide. <laughs> so um, the the thing that I, I would say to this, um, what about, you know, I'm coming back to, we talked about trailer in Arkansas. Uh, they played Carthage, which means Calvante Dixon, the brother of Keontae Ingram, uh, was playing. They're transitioning him more to being a running back right now. What what is going on with with Calvante and his recruitment and that sort of thing? Um, he's kind of playing a little bit all over. So he played a lot of receiver. It's probably what he played most of, but he does motion into the backfield and takes some carries at running back. He even played a little bit of corner, which weirdly is kind of where I like him at the most. I think that's where he's. Built. You said corner. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um and. So, yeah, he's kind of just their most diverse weapon. Now, um, he did tell us after the game that Texas has been in contact and um, seems like they're kind of maybe trying to ramp up their efforts, which were reported in the Stampede. Um, the word around Carthage was that was much more than kind of what Kilvante said was was it was getting pretty serious with Texas. Now, he is still committed to Arkansas. Texas will have to get him on campus for an official visit, uh, but – I think that there's a decent chance Texas could flip him. Um, you know, I mean, he's been to a million games to see his brother play. Uh, you know, he's Arkansas season's really not helping them. I think he feels a real loyalty to, to Jeff Trailer. Um, you know, how could you not? I think that's what makes Jeff such a great recruiter. Uh, but I, Texas is definitely interested and definitely in on that one. As far as his play on the field, you know, I think Texas would probably look at him as a slot. I don't see the the kind of explosiveness and suddenness that that they want out of their slots, but I do really think he could be a great like Z receiver. Um, so I think he's just a case of if they do flip him, it's get him to campus and figure out you know where he ultimately fits. Yeah, I mean his what's his size? He's bigger. He's he's getting bigger every time I see him. So I would say probably now he's almost six foot six one, probably about one eighty. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean. I, and what did he run the hundred in last year? What was his best FAT? Was time? Ten, yeah, ten seven four. Yeah, guy. I, look, bring bring all those guys you want because yeah, absolutely. Long story a, short, insane if, triple jumper too. Yeah, but here's my point with guys like him. So, so there are a lot of guys like you're mentioning, Kamar Wheaton. Okay, that that are fast, and I, I'm a big believer in speed. Always have been. The issue is, is if they don't have physicality. Speed can be mitigated quickly, but but Calvante doesn't have a problem with physicality at all, from what I've seen. Uh, would you agree with that? I mean, I, he just he runs through stuff. He gets hit. He takes hits. 
um, yeah, yeah, yeah. delivers them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you have speed and physicality together, it changes the equation um, for just about any position because it allows you to not only play a slot or an outside receiver or, or, or the, you know, the, the little hybrid there, or you could play safety, you could play corner, you could play nickel. There's just a number of different things you can do if you have the speed and the physicality. Um, did you go anywhere on Saturday? Were you at home? And where are you going this weekend? Yeah, I was back at home on Saturday. I uh, drove back from Texarkana that day, so I uh, didn't catch any action that day. Um, <clears throat> this weekend, I will be uh, basically in Central Texas for both games. Uh, Thursday night, I'll be uh, at uh, Bible Stadium in Leander C. Park to see uh, Princely, Uva Milan, and uh, Maynard take on uh, Leander Rouse. And then Friday night, I'll be in Temple uh, to see Quentin Johnston, the Temple, the Texas committed receiver, uh, play against Killeen. Anything going on with uh, anything follow up, by the way, on, on uh, Uma Malian or uh, Eaton from last week? I know you mentioned Eaton earlier, but. Um, <clears throat> With Princely, I am hearing whispers as we're recording this, and I'll have to confirm once we get done recording this that he is uh, canceling his his A uh, and M visit um, this week, which would obviously be huge news for Texas. Uh, he has a, an official slated for the A and M Alabama game, um, so we'll see where things stand with that. Uh, with Eaton, you know, I mean, I think he came out and made a very public "I'm not going anywhere" uh, tour with a few different sites. Um, I'm still hearing that that he is definitely interested in Oklahoma is definitely in the picture. So um, that's one we'll have to watch closely. And, and Bobby, you know, I mean, those kids love to come out after they take a visit to other schools and say, this is where things are. We're, we're, we're all good. And meanwhile, keep operating behind the scenes. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, here, here's the issue is that they have to take the pressure off to actually get to a decision sometimes. I, that, that's my I've been doing this a long time, and I think that, that ultimately this is a lot of pressure on 16-, 17-, 18-year-old kids, and the best way to take the pressure off is to make some grand statement, whether it's true or not, in an effort to allow yourself to, to get back to the, the decision at hand. And, and that's you – know, I'm not trying to say he's being duplicitous, or anyone is. It's just sometimes that's what, that's what happens, and it makes sense to me, um, having dealt with these kids for so long – that you know, this is a life life altering decision for him. So I don't, I don't if that's the case, it, it just it's part of the part of what you get in the in recruiting, as far as I'm concerned. Um, one last guy I want to mention because we didn't get him, didn't talk about him uh, on Wednesday of last week because he had just been offered a scholarship, and that's a young man, the linebacker out of uh, IMG Academy down in in Florida, who actually has some Texas roots. Can you talk about him? Yeah, Jaquandis Burns, um, a kid I knew uh, when he was at uh, Terrell High School. Um, he is the the brother of uh, Super 2022 prospect Bear Alexander, who we talked about a couple of weeks ago on this podcast. Um, you know, both Bear and Jaquandis uh, transferred to Skyline in the midst of a really bad coaching situation at Terrell, um, and of course, both were ruled ineligible. For Bear, that was no problem. He could kind of just go play JV, and he'll be fine. He's got a couple years of eligibility left. But for Jaquandis, this was his last opportunity to play, so he he ended up transferring to IMG Academy. Yeah, Texas has been evaluating Jaquandis for quite a while. 
Um, you know, he told me that that Todd Orlando was really kind of one of the first coaches to really start recruiting him, even though Texas hasn't offered until now. But he said that Orlando was really up front with him and kind of told him, you know, what they were interested in, what they were looking for. And so um, I think that really stuck out to him. Uh, Jaquandis is currently committed to Ole Miss. Um, I think if Texas gets him down for an official visit, they can really change the the momentum there and flip him. Talk to somebody close to him who said that you know the opportunity to play big time ball back in state would, would probably be a lot to turn down. Um, as far as on the field, I've only seen him play in a spring game uh, so far, but I think that he is uh, kind of perfectly what fits for for the Big Twelve um, when you talk about guys who are basically oversized safeties and undersized linebackers, kind of fit right into that mold and, and can grow a little bit. He's He's a plus coverage guy. Um, he can play physically over the middle. And so um, obviously Texas didn't like what they had on the board at inside linebacker in this class and decided to make a move. So you, what is his size? He is, a, I think he's about 6'2 or 6'3, 205, 210 right now. Gotcha. Okay. I, I, you know, I watched his film on, on a huddle and I, I, I saw an outside linebacker. I did not see a middle linebacker in that. But uh, you never know because he did. He didn't really take on anything in the middle. The pro- the problem is is that you know unless Texas is playing a B backer, they don't tend to employ an outside linebacker a ton. I mean, they kind of just play a split most of the time with both their guys inside. And so I think he could eventually grow to be like a rover type. Or uh, yeah, I would definitely see him more as that than than what they're playing with even Jawan Mitchell or, or Achille Adeoye. How I'm probably butchering that name some level but I, I think that I think that it's going to be interesting to see how that position plays out over time but um, all right Mike you've got OU 4845 I've got OU 3835 you want to you're take so that means you're take we're both taking Texas the Texas in the spread because the spread's 10 to 11 and a half I think you're taking the over the over 75 I'm taking the under um and we're taking separate winners, so I think we need to bet something here. What do you What do you want to bet, Mike? You have anything? Uh, I don't know. Um, I would say lunch next time I saw you, but um, I'm guessing next time I see you, we'll just go back to your barbecue restaurant there in, in Tennessee. Um, I don't know. I mean, any any ideas on your end? How about just a fun old "I told you so." Okay, that works for me. And then if both of us are wrong and it's a blowout one way or the other, we can go from there. All right, man. Mike, it's been fun, dude. Absolutely. All right, Bobby. uh, I'll I'll talk to you again next week. All right, good luck this week, okay? All right, thanks. Bye-bye.